You're listening to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, episode 127, featuring special guest Jerry Ann Perez of Broadway's In Transit and the National Tour of Waitress. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? My name is Maggie Barra, and welcome to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes of the theater industry. The Actor Aesthetic Podcast is produced every single week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at actoraesthetic.com slash podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Actor Aesthetic, or join our Facebook group, the Actor Aesthetic Alliance. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get on to the show. Did you know that Actor Aesthetic has its very own online shop? Hundreds, yes, I said hundreds, of actors worldwide are finding massive success using our resume templates, audition journal spreadsheets, cover letter samples, and hundreds of audition song suggestions categorized by voice type and genre. You can even grab a copy of my ebook, Marketing 101 for Actors, an actor's guide to successful branding. To learn more, go to actoraesthetic.com shop. Hi, friends. Thanks for joining me this week for another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast. Now, I am feeling nostalgic because as of recording this, it's been nearly a year since the pandemic reached the United States and shuttered all live theater. This time last year, I was living and working in New York City, auditioning for big projects that I was really excited for. And now I feel like we're all in this holding pattern just trying to stay positive and stay afloat while we wait for the pandemic to subside. Today's episode features a chat with Jerry Ann Perez of Broadway's In Transit and the Broadway National Tour of Waitress. You will hear us talk all about the nitty-gritty details of being an actor during a pandemic. This episode also happens to be one of my favorites to record because Jerry Ann talks a lot about the business aspect of theater the logistics of everything, and how much work and preparation it takes to truly make a name for yourself in this industry. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy our chat. Jerrianne, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? How have you been holding up? I've been good. I've been good. I mean, COVID and everything after March 12th has been insane a literal, mm. <laughs> literal roller coaster of, <laughs> um, of the inevitable and disbelief and sadness and then happiness for the pause mm. and time that we don't usually get as actors because we're always on that grind. Um, you know, so it's been a series of ups and downs. I feel mm. like I've, I've only just finally hit my stride truthfully Hmm. when January of 2021 hit something happened in December of 2020 where I just said I'm really exhausted with just waiting um and I was really exhausted with with allowing things to be outside of my control And there were some things that I could take some control of, which Hmm. was what I did with my daily life, 
um, investing more and more into the personal relationships that really, really matter to me. Um, and then also taking time to learn some different skills, yeah. some different trades, and then also investing in like classes. So getting back into voice hmm. lessons. Uh, I just took my first dance class in like over a year last yes. night, which was so much fun. Um, and then, you know, like I, I, I enrolled in this like voiceover class. I just, I wanted to reinvest in myself as a human being, as opposed to just waking up every day saying, I don't know what I'm going to do with my day because I'm just waiting for the industry to come back. Hmm. So that's sort of a very long-winded <laughs> answer to your question. <laughs> so where were you at when you when the pandemic hit? Where were you at in terms of your career? Um, and also just in the world, were you in New York City at the time? Yeah, so I had just returned from the, we had just closed the first national tour of Waitress in mm -hmm. August of 2019. I went back to New York in September and just kind of hit the ground running, reintroducing myself to the city, casting directors, et cetera, because I had been out for two years. Mm. So I was I was getting a good stride. And then I did a workshop for the show called Oratorio for Living Things, which was at Ars Nova. We did a workshop in the fall and then it got, you know, they had been working on it for years. So they knew they were going to push it into their actual season, which was in the spring. So we started rehearsals for that February of 2020, and we, oh my goodness, the, it, it really, really was one of the craziest and most amazing shows I've ever been a part of, and it was a super intimate cast, and that always has a really cool, awesome energy. So we were in previews for Oratorio um, down in Greenwich Village <clears throat> um, on March 12th, I believe, we had just done our first two previews and we were in the theater rehearsing the day that, that we got the, the notice. So it's so interesting when I think about the lead up to the shutdown because I just had a feeling that Tuesday, just you could feel this sort of tangible energy as you walked the streets and as you got on the subway that something was really going wrong mm -hmm. and, but it wasn't like fully explicitly said yet. And it wasn't, there wasn't, there hadn't been this massive New York outbreak yet. And, you know, our theater, we were in tech the week before and our theater had had extreme like sanitization measures. I mean, we were, our hands were raw from the amount of times that we were washing <laughs> our hands, hand sanitizing, wiping surfaces down, and we're in an intimate off-Broadway theater. We are packed in. If there, if COVID was going to happen to that company, it was going to happen because it was like, a, <laughs> I think, a, a, it's, I can't even remember, maybe a hundred seat house, possibly less. Um, so you got all your designers, all your creatives, and then your cast, and then your musicians. It just was a packed house. So we were doing everything that we could based on what we knew about COVID at the time to... To keep ourselves safe but I just I knew something was wrong and that Thursday morning I got on the subway and for the first time in my New York life nobody else was on the car with me and at the very end the other side there was a homeless man smoking a cigarette 
mm-hmm. which obviously we all know is illegal. But I, I had this moment where I was like, shit's about to go down. Like, yep. I, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was just one of those things. It was very tangibly something's up. We get to the theater. We're rehearsing for maybe two hours. Our incredible composer, she's literal perfection. She was like saging and like doing like lighting up like Palo Santo, like all around, like to sanitize our whole theater. But we just knew, we just knew. And our producers came in and they said, you know, unfortunately, everything is shut down off Broadway Mm -hmm. and Broadway at the time. You could still have gatherings less than 500, but basically what the off-Broadway sort of league had decided was in solidarity with all of Broadway, with all of the shows that shut down, we are all going to shut down. And I'm so glad that they did because, you, you know, even in a even in a small 100-seat house, you could still spread COVID there as big as you could have in a Broadway house. So hmm. I'm so happy that we shut down when we did. Um and then, I, I, you know, at the time they said, you know, we're all going to go on lockdown. We're, we're postponing the show for 30 days. We have every intention of bringing you all back, reopening the show uh-huh. and just pushing the date because they had that extension date already built in because they had figured we were going to sell that well. So basically I get told that I'm told that I'm getting a vacation pretty much um, and to leave the city. Um, so I call my mom. She, you know, they're down in Florida and she said, okay, well, if you're not doing the show, I'm so afraid that COVID is going to break out there and it's going to be ground zero. Can you please come down mm. here? And I did. And I, I, I was on a flight the next morning at 11 AM and I will never forget looking at my phone. And I think the numbers were in the one hundreds literally within the 100s and then over the weekend I think I saw it skyrocket to a thousand and then it just exploded and I I had this perpetual checking of the numbers that I would do every single morning and eventually Mm. I really had to stop because it was something that was just out of my control and I had to be I had to step away from something that was like the 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 numbers are just going to go up and my city, the city that I love, the city that I reside in, the city that all of my closest friends are currently living in, is just exploding. Um, and so, yeah, that is that is literally, I was in rehearsal with my cast. We knew something was up and um, and we just cleared out of the theater and we, and we left that night. Hmm. Do you have any updates for your show? Is there a future for it post-pandemic? Yeah, so uh, we are so lucky. Like I said, they had been working on this show and really investing in this incredible, incredible composer, Heather Christian. She's an angel um, for years. So we got to notice that when theater does open up, Arch Nova plans to put it in great their season. I had such relief and happiness when I got that email because mm-hmm. I think so many people put shows to bed because of COVID, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of shows closed. Um, I was supposed to, I had booked the Tootsie first national tour that was about to go out fall of 2020. And then wow. I, we, they, the contract switched from equity actors to non-equity yeah. actors, switch producers, creatives. So I saw that contract kind of fly out the window and I know a lot of fellow, you know, people in this industry saw shows kind of go away so I am I 
feel extremely lucky that this show that we were about to start, about to launch, that had so much promise is is not completely put to rest. That contract, that production, Tootsie, going from equity to non-equity feels like a fever dream to me. I remember it. I remember seeing it and reading about it. Um, but that just feels like ages ago. It wow. was. It was maybe a month or two in that I got an email from my agent because I was just about to sign the contract. Oh and this is this is how they got lucky was none of us had signed actual contracts of employment just wow. yet. So they were able to completely scot-free step away and recast and wow. to you know what I mean? Like uh, sometimes those things just happen and they're really sad and you hope they never happen to you. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, but, but literally whatever is meant to be is meant to be. And although I was so excited at the prospect of going out on the road again, cause I just happened to love tour life. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it just wasn't meant to be. So you you mentioned tour life. We're going to go a little bit out of order today because I feel like life is a little bit out of order lately. Oh God, yes. <laughs> so just talk to me a little bit more about your experience on the road. I know that you you were you were in the the national tour of Waitress and you also understudied Dawn. So you were on I'm sure an ensemble contract and also had the understudy as well added to that. So talk to me about about that, what were your favorite parts of it? Um, and what did you learn about yourself along the way? Oh my goodness. I, you know, I feel like I left that tour five years older than when I started, (laughs) you know, and it was only a two year contract. So, so that's some quick aging, but you know, tour life, much like COVID had its various ups and downs Mm -hmm. with tour life. You had to really be okay with living a nomadic lifestyle. You were out of a suitcase. You had to make a home for yourself every week because I was on a CETA contract. So that is weekly, we were moving to another city with production contracts like Wicked, Hamilton, Mm -hmm. uh, et cetera. You get uh, longer sit downs. And for Waitress, we had varied sit downs, but a majority of them, 90% of them, I will say, were one weekers. So that was cool in the fact that I got to see about 65 cities by the time that I left. But it did it did sort of like create a whiplash for you of like, oh, I'm in this new city. Oh, I'm in this new city. Oh, I'm in this new city. What am I going to do here and here and here? You you always wanted, I will never forget like when we started the tour, when we opened it, we had this thirst for like trying like everything yeah. <laughs> in the city. You know, we wanted to eat all the food and like do any activity that we had time for. And so we really wanted to maximize on what every city could provide you. I mean, when we played Orlando, we were only there for one week, but sh- straight up, I think everybody like had a Disney trip at least <laughs> three days within seven days, um, you know, or, or went to Universal or something like that. There's something about like, I will never regret being paid to travel. Like that's, that's what it felt like for me. I I felt like I had, I was lucky and that I had an easier going track Mm -hmm. in waitress. So there wasn't a crazy ton of wear and tear on my body, on my voice. So I had, you know, the energy to kind of do a lot of stuff during the day and then, you know, go in and do my show eight times that week. Um, 
And so that was, that was really, really fun. But yeah, you had to be okay with moving around a bunch and living out of a suitcase. And there was a ton of self-care that we all did. I mean, we all were lovers of Lush and the bath bomb (laughs) and getting little candles and lighting them up in our hotels. Along the way, you started to get a little smarter. Yeah. You started to be like, okay, I could save a little money by not going on that jet ski tour. Um, Or, you, you know, you were starting to, you were starting to move from living in the hotels to living in Airbnbs because you wanted a little bit more of a semblance of normal life. Hmm. So, you know, a hotel is awesome. It's so fun to stay in. But when you think about living in a hotel without a kitchen, it's just a bed, your TV, your dresser, Mm. and then a bathroom, it it starts to mess with you a little bit. So Airbnbs really were the way to go. You could live with other people. You could save money. I mean, tour is also the place that you save money. Yeah. You're not paying. If you're able to sublet your apartment in New York, you're not paying for rent. You're not paying for the MTA. You're not paying for gym memberships because they provide you with gym memberships in every single city you go to. So it, it was so much fun, but it was Mm -hmm. also very hard because emotions were heightened because most everybody was away from the people that kind of ground them and who Mm -hmm. they are. So when you're Mm -hmm. just like an island put together in this company of people and all of your close friends or maybe your partner and maybe your family and they're all away, they're all further from you than maybe they've ever been it's really easy to lose yourself. I Mm. definitely did. I lost Jerry Ann along the way and I found her along the way. That was that this is going to go more into that growth that you were talking about. I don't know how to explain it, but I I definitely just lost sense of what mattered. I lost a sense of investing in my relationships back home. That was something that, that I look back on and I reflect on and I get so sad about because I just wouldn't respond to texts, wouldn't Mm. schedule phone calls. Like that's the stuff that really matters is when you're out on tour. Look, we're seeing it exactly right now in this moment. So few of us are able to see our friends and family. Mm. We are literally existing as islands right now. So the only way that we're connecting is over these screens or over the phone or over Instagram and DMs. We're fostering connections afar in a way that I wish I had learned to do on tour. So I think that 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 is, you know, one of the good things about COVID is, is that we are we are really, really making time for the people that matter to us long distance. And that's essential as an actor because so many times our jobs take us away. Mm. They do. Very rarely. There's this tiny, tiny, tiny microcosm of people who get to work in New York. Everybody else, we get thrown to regional theaters. We get thrown on tour. You know what I mean? Like we get thrown to sit downs here, 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 here. Like we need to be able to foster connections long distance. Um, So yeah, that's, that's what I think I would say was the experience and also what I grew from. So take me back to, I don't know, you're in high school and you're thinking about auditioning for colleges. Did you always know that you wanted to go to college for this? Nope. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I, the, I, I had some 
some pretty strict parents, not in a bad way, but parents that very much were like, school comes first. As long as that's in order, you can do extracurriculars. So for me, being a student and having my academics squared away, high GPA was always the priority as I was being raised. Then after that is where I was able to invest in time into choir, which was really big in my life in high school, definitely. And then I, I worked at like my local community theater because back when I was in high school, the economy was garbage. So I didn't even have a theater program in my high school. So the only way I could act if I wanted to was to, to go to my local community wow. theater. So I think that while I was in high school, I was always kind of battling, what do I want to do? I love performing. I love theater. This gives me such joy. But there was always a part of me that was really afraid of the inconsistency that this work creates. So that was really sort of like where I had issues. So it took me to my senior year. My senior year, I was like, okay, I think this is what I'm going to do. It took me that long, literally like that long. And I, I just literally only applied for, I think it was either three to four schools. I applied to AMDA. Um, I applied to NYU. I applied to Pacific Lutheran University. Nope, that's it. I have to share this audition story because I hope you have to. anybody who is auditioning <laughs> for college, I just want you to know it's going to be okay because it couldn't get worse than me. <laughs> so I, like I said, I'm really rigid. I'm very type A. I'm a Virgo, right? High achieving, no problems, 4.0 GPA, right? You'd think I get the timing of my audition correct. You would be wrong. Um... I thought that the time of my audition was 5 p.m. It was, in fact, at 2.30. I roll up, and I am nervous but excited. I suffer from performance anxiety, which we can also speak to if you'd like. <laughs> but I'm, I'm there in, like, I don't even know what I was thinking. I was in, like, a, like, taffeta blue, like, skirt suit because I also did pageants. <laughs> and I, like, I had my hair, like, pressed um, and I just, I had my makeup, right. Like I was like ready to go in and nail it. And, you know, um, the, the, the person running the auditions, he pokes his head out. Like there's no signs anywhere. Like we're having confusion, like even finding the place he pokes his head out. He says, Hey, um, what are you here for? I said, um, NYU Tish auditions. And, uh, he says, okay, sweetheart. They were two and a half hours ago. And I immediately start crying. Oh my god. Immediately start crying. And he says, okay, okay, it's gonna be fine. Let me talk to our two auditioners and let me see if I can um if we can wow. work with you. So I go in, I go to the bathroom and he says, Don't worry, kid, we got you. She's gonna move her train ticket. She wants to see you. Um, and so I go in and I, again, in a blue, like, taffeta suit, sing my two songs, which is Heartbreaker by Pat Benatar. <laughs> and I think, 
whatever that Amnera song is from Aida. Yeah. <laughs> and, and by somehow I get in early admission. So I, I truly mean it when I say like everything can go wrong. That's supposed to go right. But if you just go in like guns a blazing, passionate, like I, the passion for NYU was dripping off of me because by mm-hmm. the time I did that audition, I had known that that was my school because first of all, NYU is legit AF, but also <laughs> again, I was coming from really caring about my academics as much as my artistic training and NYU offers you a really well-rounded kind of academic experience, whereas I felt personally for me if I had gone to a conservatory I would have gotten a little bit burnt out as an artist and I would have maybe lost some of my passion but because NYU was like we're going to give you as much academic resources Mm -hmm. as we give you performance training um so yeah and I and I will never forget getting in early admission and it was insanity so what was your what was then your transition like from studying at NYU to the quote unquote real world you know (laughs) I think they've gotten better but college would like tried to get you ready for the real world Mm. it really gave its best shot there were some aspects that you just weren't prepped for which was like what do I do while I wait around for auditions yeah go which open call do I go to do I need an equity card like you have all these like questions going through your mind um but for me I had to sort of go right into adulting and getting um, a job so that I could afford rent and all that stuff because I was no longer living in dorms. Mm-hmm. Um, so I basically got like a an office job by the grace of God um, yes. at a student affairs office in NYU. Great. So I had some connections with like higher ups at NYU. Um, that I had formulated through doing shows then. And so I got connected with that and I went straight into sort of administrative work. And then I would take auditions. I I had um, an agent that I had showcased with um, that I got after showcase. And so I would just kind of go to my appointments in between. I booked like shows here and there, but this is sort of an interesting segue in that Sometimes you can get into a situation where you are locked in because you're good at something and then Mm. eventually you realize you don't love it and it has no longevity in your life. So this is an example of that exact thing where I was an an office manager at an incredible job Mm -hmm. with the most incredible coworkers. I was salaried. I had health insurance. It had all the benefits that you want in a job. I was like 24 with this job. Yeah. And eventually after a few years, I did this job for three years. I realized that the comfortability of that job made it so hard for me to truly invest 110% of myself into being an actor. Hmm. So this is another one of those like serendipitous moments, like that NYU audition of what's meant to be is going to be. And I, so let me get the timeline right. So I decided I was in final callbacks for In Transit, which was mm-hmm. a Broadway show that, that was going to Broadway at the time. 
and I was in a, a final callbacks for it. And I had realized a few months before that I really wanted to put all of me into being an actor. And that really was not going to work with everything that I needed to do as an office manager. I was, I, I wasn't giving my all to that job and that needed someone who was going to give their 100. So I'm in final callbacks for in transit and I end up speaking with my supervisor who is an angel and just, we had sort of kind of come to the conclusion that it was just, I just, she wanted me to be on Broadway and I wanted to be on Broadway. <laughs> and we knew that mm -hmm. it just was not going to work anymore because I needed to give my all more to something else. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up putting in my two weeks notice and then literally a day after giving her my resignation letter, I got the call from my agent that I booked in transit. Wow. So I stepped away from this salaried job, this wonderful job that I had done for three years, a community that I had grown to love because I wanted to 100% take the leap into being a full-time actor. I felt like a, I felt like a less than part-time actor when I was hmm. at that job. So I, I just, again, by all of the graces of the gods, like I got that, <laughs> that timing. And that was when I was like, okay, the universe is going to create what you're, what is supposed to happen in your life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You just have to, you have to follow your own instincts and then what's going to be is going to happen. What yeah. was that audition process like for you for in transit? So I was doing a very short summer contract of In the Heights up at the Hangar Theater in Ithaca at the time. And I, <laughs> this is so funny. Did you get your equity card through one of your regional gigs? So a funny story. <laughs> I always had the opportunity to. Yeah. I was always offered it and I just didn't take it. I just yeah. didn't. I, I just, I didn't want the part of me just said, I, I'm not booking enough for me to consistently pay equity dues. And I am mm. very stingy with my money. <laughs> and so I ended up not signing an equity contract until in transit. Wow. Like you can straight up wait until your Broadway debut if you want to, because mm -hmm. then when you, when you book a production contract, they, they don't allow you to not take it. It is required for you to mm -hmm. take it. So, but before that, it is not essential. And especially if you're lucky enough to have an agent who can get you appointments, because the other reason you get the equity card is obviously so that you can get seen at an open call. But if you've got an agent who can get you appointments, it's until you feel it's necessary, it's not always necessary for you. It's definitely case by case basis. And for mm -hmm. me, I didn't need to take it until I was 26 and in a contract that required me to. Hmm. Um, but within the Heights, I I heard about a show. I got contacted by a friend um, who I was in an acapella group with. And he said, look, I've done workshops of this show in transit. Also a little context for in transit. If you're not familiar with it, it's an all acapella show. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so basically he contacts me. He goes, look, there's this ensemble role that covers one of the leads that I just feel like you'd be perfect for. And I just, I, I threw your name in with the creatives, but just see if your agent can get you an appointment. Um, just know that you have my backing and my support because he was already moving forward with the show. Okay. So I contact my agents and she had seen multiple 
um, workshops of this. And she goes, Jerry, you know, I know that, that acapella is in your background, but I don't know that this is exactly a right fit for you. And in my mind, I was like, this was a moment where I kind of knew what was right for me. Yeah. And I was like, I, I totally understand. Please just get me in the room and let me just speak for myself. Um, yeah. And then so she she did. She she went to bat for me because the casting director was like, oh, I know Jerry Ann. I don't know if, if she's exactly right for this. But, you know, I ended up sending in a tape because I was still out of town for the initial calls. And um, and like multiple members of my cast came together to help me uh, help mm-hmm. me film it. And um, I sent it in. And then like the f- final weekend, the show is closing uh, in, in the Heights and. I get a call that I'm moving forward to a work session with the music director. Hmm. So I go in the following week after I got back from Ithaca and I worked with the music director on the material and the packet, but then I also, he had me sight read. So sight reading was literally essential because when you have 12 singers doing a work of an entire orchestra, (laughs) plus being the vocalists, Mm -hmm. you have to have some really incredible singing musicians so uh he he basically like tested me for my musicality he tested my range up down and then he said okay great well I'm gonna bring you through um just be prepared and mm-hmm. so through bent that was the finals so the wow. I go to the final round that was for all of the creatives I think Kathleen Marshall who was our director may have been on um on video she wasn't able to be there in person and um and I I did all the material and then they were like okay Kristen Anderson Lopez was one of the four composers and she was like can you just like throw out some accents for us or throw out some like improv some random characters for us because in transit was about New Yorkers and so you had to have all these like weird people able to like insert themselves in (laughs) and um and so I literally like did a bunch of different dialects just kind of improv on my feet and they were like okay can you just sing something from your book that like gives you so much joy so I sang it won't be long now um yeah which was the the role I had played in in the heights um and I did that and I left and 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 I just felt I felt in the energy of the room that it was right um and I got the call the final week the the following week um Mm. my agent was like so sweet she was like I had an audition for some other show that that Thursday and she was like, okay, so um, I'm just giving you a call because we're going to have to cancel that that um, <laughs> audition on Thursday because you're going to be on Broadway. Oh, <laughs> like she was wow. like so, so clearly prepped. Like, you know, it was my debut. Like she really wanted to like make it special. And she I had just, a script. Oh, she, she was ready. <laughs> she wrote it down. And um, and I just, I, I absolutely lost it. It was just everything you wanted it to be. Yeah. You know, you also mentioned earlier that you have suffered with performance anxiety, which is so relevant in our industry. Um, And I get a lot of questions about that and about how to uh, work through that. So can you talk about your experience with that and and the ways that you have worked through that in order to succeed in auditions and on stage and beyond? 
Yes. I think that this is one of those things that just truly, maybe you feel differently, but I just don't think it gets talked about enough. I think that everybody just thinks that everybody just walks into an audition or walks on stage and is just breathing easily, just mm. living easily and openly and performing. And for so many people, it is not that. For me, it is not that. You know, I will never forget auditioning for my first show. I was 13 <laughs> years old in middle school, <laughs> auditioning for Nancy and Oliver. <laughs> and I had never felt this feeling before of my heart was racing. I couldn't get a deep breath. I, you know, my, my voice was, was like kind of modulating and it, it, I was, it, things felt harder to sing than they had when I was practicing at home. And I'm 13. I don't understand what this is. I don't understand nerves. I, I've never been talked to about anxiety before and I just I didn't understand it and then I it, I it plagued me throughout high school and then I went to college and sort of realized that there were some other people who kind of experienced it too and and basically I have tried nearly every tactic for anxiety and what I will say works for me personally for for performance anxiety is you know um it's it sometimes feels impossible but if you get like deep breaths in like deep breaths down to like your very core that will automatically sort of slow your heart rate hmm. i feel like the first thing that happens is the heart rate and then the breath and then your hands shake so I feel like if you can breathe and get that heart rate lowered, then the other sort of physical aspects of performance anxiety start to lighten and then you get out of your head. It's personally for me all physical first and right. then it's the mental mess that happens after that where lyrics go out the window that you had mm -hmm. known cold or lines, you know, in, in, in a script. So, you know, that's sort of, one thing that works for me, another is, you know, meditating. If you have, if you can get to your audition a little early and put in your earbuds to your favorite meditation, have your book in your lap and just literally be ready. There have been multiple times where I've been sitting on a bench, had one <laughs> earbud in and they come out and they're like, Jerrianne, are you ready? And I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you know, meditation is great, especially do it like before, you know, you go in. Um, and then what else? And then honestly, like preparation. Nerves can really plague you if you feel like you don't know what you're going to do. So as long as like you are warmed up physically and vocally and you know that script or those sides cold, you're going to feel a little bit more confident and then those nerves are probably going to be a little bit less. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's sort of what I figured out. And then just literally sell it. You know what I mean? Like, don't, don't apologize. Don't say, I'm mm -hmm. sorry. I'm nervous. You know what I mean? Like the second you tell somebody you're nervous, you automatically look like an amateur. You got to just do what works for you. But the breath is really, 
the key in my personal opinion. My last question for you is if you could give one piece of advice to a young actor who's looking to pursue this as a career and as a, a long-term career, what would that piece of advice be? I'm going to share this thing that I was told in my freshman orientation that I was so grateful I was told right off the bat. Yeah. And I apologize if it seems harsh, but just know that like when I heard it, it was coming from so much love. And so from me to you, I'm giving it with so much love. If there is anything else in the world that would give you exponential joy to do, go and do that before you choose this however if this thing gives you more joy more happiness and more impetus to get up every morning to go do then this is what you're meant to do hmm. so I say that because I think that there are people in this industry that are doing it just because they had decided back when they were a kid or in high mm. school that they were going to do it and they went to college for it. And then maybe they, after that, they booked shows and, and, and it just, there are people that I meet that I don't know that they necessarily love this. And then there are people that I meet that this is their life blood. And those are the people that work consistently. Those are the people that you always want to work with because they're always a joy when they come into the room, because this is what they want to be doing. Hmm. And also, everybody knows this. It's been painted on TVs, movies, plays, musicals, in every way, shape, and form. This is a difficult industry. It takes a ton of mental and physical stamina to do. So you have to love it in order for it to have longevity in your life. So I, like I said, I was at a job for three years with an incredible company and 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 but because I didn't love it it became mm. hard to do every day whereas I was on tour on the road away from my loved ones but I was excited to sign in every single day I was excited to walk in and know that I was gonna like smell pie every day <laughs> for that that was two years two years but just do this if you love it that's that that is the piece of advice that was given to me at age 18 and I'm so happy I had it because I always go back to it and it is always the piece of advice that I give everybody Darianne thank you so much for sharing your story and your wisdom in this industry I really appreciate it it's going to be so helpful to hear your story specifically so thank you so much <laughs> thank you so much for having me it was such a blast <laughs> If you enjoyed today's episode and you found it helpful, I would love it if you could screenshot it, tag at Actor Aesthetic, and share it to your Instagram stories so we can be friends. If you haven't already, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Join me every single week with a brand new episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes of the theater industry. Until next time, this is Maggie Barra signing off. It takes a village. I will see you next week.